everything that we are. We're an animal, but we're also the next stage of animals where we're aware of who we are and we contemplate our existence. And when you contemplate your existence and you're an intelligent life form, you should always be seeking to improve. If you're always seeking to improve, the thing that you look at is like, what has brought me the most positive results? This is uh, Ronald Gibson, and this is Short Life Advice from the Best of the Best. I have with me Mr. Jacob Caressel. Yes, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, welcome. Uh, first guest of the podcast. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, yeah Jacob Caressel. Thanks for having me, you know, Ronnie. Been with Schneider for 11 years. Um, been always an STM, but just really excited to be here and, and uh, have a conversation. Yeah, I like to start us off. I like a warm, a warm up question. Um, what was the first concert you've ever been to, and maybe add some, uh, you know, notes to it? Sure, sure. First concert, I think as like as a young adult, like the, a true, you know, like on my own. Some high school buddies and I went and we saw Blink One Two, Green Day. Newfound Glory, and I think Jimmy Eat World. Right, that's a great lineup. Yeah, it was a really strong lineup. I think it was in St. Louis, and I'm pretty sure that was definitely the farthest we had gone by ourselves. I think okay. we were like sophomores or juniors. Okay. And I was shocked our parents let us go, but yeah, that was quite the time, and you know, we were young and just it was a good time. Didn't make you want to go to a bunch of concerts oh, yeah. after that? or Went to a lot since then. Went to that same tour uh again like two more times i think one in indy and one maybe in louisville okay um but yeah it was just going to concerts with your friends at that age is the biggest advice i'd have for someone who's going through high school and then through college Mm -hmm. to be on a road trip with your buddies Mm -hmm. and you know spending the night and experiencing live music and i think it's just part of growing up and I'm really lucky I had friends that wanted that same interest and pushed me there. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah traveling with friends and going to concert with friends yeah. is just, you build those relationships and... Yeah. And then, breaks down and just silly stories, yeah. you know. It's the journey even more than just... I can't tell you what they opened with or... I think Blink-22 was the closing act and I think I was kind of upset because I was more of a Green Day fan, but that's really the only thing I remember of the concert. Mm-hmm. I think the stories or what I remember more of. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a good one. I like that. What is, what would you say is the books or books that you've given most as a gift and why, or what are the, like one to two books that have greatly influenced your life? So the book that I've given the most, it's hard to not say that the new cell simplify with uh, Mike Weinberg, just because this year we started to give that to every single person that started and tra- starts a training, mm-hmm. as well as a lot of the teams to do book clubs. So technically, the most given book, uh, just a great sales field guide of how to build rapport and build prospects and have targets. And it kind of checks you to know what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing. It's a really good starter book. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, the one that impacted me the most in my journey that I've given out a good amount of time is The Seven Habits of a Highly Effective Person, the Stephen Covey. Mm. I've given that a lot. I think it's just 
if it's business life or just life in general, you know, I don't have memorized, but like seek to understand and find the win-win and, you know, doing that has allowed me to be less emotional in certain situations Mm -hmm. and being more patient to get to that end result. Mm. You know? And that's a lot what the the book club, the Say What You Mean, or Jay Silver yeah. talks about the same sort of things. Yeah, I love that book. Uh. The nonviolent communication and driving the empathy. Mm-hmm. That's been a big part of even in the sales of understanding what your customer is going through and then trying to create empathy for them to have for you mm-hmm. because of what you're going through and trying to find the win-win you're just going to get faster at uh, building that rapport and them trusting you that you are working hard for them yeah yeah i I couldn't agree more in in business and in business and in um and at home in your relationships significant other personal relationships it all it all ties together in my opinion just seeking to understand rather than always thinking of yourself and and ruminating in your own mind and uh, being distracted yep i have friends i used to uh get really disappointed with with certain you know weird quirks or nuances that they had and they'd kind of tick me off and now i'm just like the seat to understand like why are they like this and is this a fixed trait that maybe just won't change over time and should i just stop worrying about it or pivoting my own self so I can enjoy our relationship more mm. versus always being on this like nagging and uh. upset because my friend can never be on time or something like that. Yeah. You know? That's what, yeah, that I've changed a lot when it comes to that is those same uh, very things of just like not getting upset if some, someone does something that you don't agree with or, or just something simple like that where it's just like instead of immediately getting mad and, and putting blame on them, seeking to understand why they did what yeah. they did. Uh, that's huge. And then Sales Simplified, I, that was one of the first sales books I read. And it seems really simple with the things that they say. And it's like, oh, I know that, you know. Um, yeah, have a finite prospect list or um, set time aside to prospect. But it's a lot of things, I can tell you, 80, 90% of the people on our floor aren't doing and in the industry in any sales industry aren't doing so it's if you focus on those it is focusing on a lot of the simple things um and then it'll eventually make you a lot better if you um you start there yep it's good um how was a uh how has a parent a failure and a parent failure set you up for later success or do you have like a favorite failure of your history a lot of failures um i say the one that i try not to reflect on too much but i'm definitely aware of is just the lack of investing in myself i've always been a very yes yes person and i grew up in an area where you know i I did a lot for you know because i went to college the same town I grew up in okay. in the high school you know had family church all that and it kept me really busy so I was always saying yes to these different organizations or 
people or friend group or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And I didn't put any investment in school. And a lot of times things would get prioritized from studying because I had a lawn care business or I needed to go do this community service thing or my fraternity needed me to go do something or you know I was involved in a communication club or something. And it wasn't until, and then after college happened, I just kind of like stopped and just really took advantage of the fact that I could come home after work and just be a lazy bum. Mm. And that went on for a little bit too long. Mm. And I had some classes in college that I really invested a lot of time in that I enjoyed, but outside of that, I probably wasn't a very good student. It probably wasn't until about five years ago when I started actually investing in myself. I think my, my wife is really helped me and encouraged me a lot. Um, the best book I read to kind of pivot me a lot is the Carol Dweck Growth Mindset. Oh, Mindset, yeah. You don't have a fixed mindset, you have a growth mindset. Mm-hmm. So my failure is just not slowing down and prioritizing the right things for my own personal growth, but it's reminding me a lot that you can, you can grow a lot in five years. Mm-hmm. You can grow a lot in 10 years. And the thing, the reason why I don't reflect on it a lot and try to twist into a more positive is that I'm only 35, turning 36 here soon, and I still am in the 11th year here at Schneider. You know, I'm not going to retire well into my 60s, and then who knows what retirement will look like for us when we're at that age. You can achieve a lot in five, ten years. We got a long ways to go. Yeah. So I just need to start, and that's kind of what the approach I took. And I'm still not the best, you know, student, but I'm definitely putting time into it. And I've seen a big jump in the last five years, mm. in work and out of work, and in relationships, and just conversation at the dinner table with friends, things like that. Is, I've just seen a lot, a lot of change. Yeah. You're in a you're in a position to always seek to find things you can learn out of the things that you're doing and mm-hmm. and the conversations you have just seeking to understand seeking to gather more knowledge yeah you I, yeah i get less hung up because i think some people will be i i used to i wish i would have taken school more seriously and maybe i'd be you know a college professor or maybe i would have been a astronaut for nasa you know the childish dreams but yeah. I'm just I've kind of gotten over that and <clears throat> in 5, 10, 15 years especially when your kids start getting older who knows what interests you may come across or or you know different things you do in the summer that gets you pretty close to what you maybe would be reflecting on I think you can have a pretty successful journey without being so fixed on these destinations of the the what yeah. I should have done or what I could have done, and I've really gotten over that. Yeah. I think it's, and it's never too late. Like I, I started around the same time as you did about you know about five years ago or so of getting on this, um, trying to be the best self you can be journey mm-hmm. is how I kind of frame it, and it's the it's never too late. I think that's what people need to understand the most. Like you can start now, just like you said, I I wish I would have started earlier, but I'm glad I started when I did. And then I'm never going to be perfect, but continue learning and learning and learning. And then I'll I'll never know what the future is going to bring in, but it's, I'm, 
going to give myself a lot more opportunity mm-hmm. to maybe do one of those things that I dreamt of back in the day or whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wish I would have started back in college, paid yep. attention more, maybe read more, applied myself more. Yep. Um, but it's all a process of living and learning. It's kind of you talking about your failure, you know, yeah. it's just, that's one thing you learned and try to move on from it. The one area I think a lot about, and I don't have the answer here, but you know, how will I relay that to my kids? And I have a lot of good practice here because mm. a lot of people are coming right out of college and you, know, you just want to give them all the secrets, you know, to what life is like from 25 to 35. And some really take it for, uh, take it and, you know, apply it. And some, you know, it, there's this, you know, old sales director that's trying to tell me something that, you know, I'm just not listening or something. But, um, yeah. but I think about, because my parents, I had great parents, so they were telling me these things. But for some reason, it just wasn't soaking in until yeah. I got to the, my upper 20s. So I think a lot about, like, how will I try to pay it forward versus how do I, you know, not reflect on what I could have done, but maybe pay it forward and, mm. and give people the chance earlier in life. So they kind of grasp it faster, but yeah. Anyways, just to give them little hints of to maybe it'll apply and they'll can resonate to it and be able to start earlier than what they would have. Yep. You had how many kids do you have? I have a two year old, and then I have one on the way next two months. What What would be your plan? Um, well, I mean, what What is your plan? Like, do you? Because I've wondered the same. You know, uh, I plan to start having kids here in the next year or two and then uh it's been on my mind of just reading certain things mm-hmm. of of how can they gather this learning knowledge as quick as possible yeah. uh, but on their own you know, I don't want to be forced I don't want to be that father that forces them in a certain sport or whatever yeah. it may be I think I've listened a lot more to what they're interested in and try to find because you have uh, the life wheel. So life wheel is, you know, family, friends, work, I think money and health or something like that. And they tell you that you're, you should try to do two at a time. Mm. So like go on a run with your wife or mm. something like that. Okay. So I would try to find, so my mom really pressured me to learn the piano. Uh, my dad really pressured me to, you know, apply myself, my academics. I don't think they found the bridge of my interest that overlapped with that. Mm. So now, like, I'm trying to relearn the piano. I'm wanting to play, uh, you know, Beatles songs or things that I really enjoy and love. Yeah. I was being pressured to play songs that I wasn't interested at all, and okay. I never, it never caught on. You know, so finding a way to, to bridge it faster and what they're interested, you know, if it's math, show them the math that is needed to be done in a sport or something like that or... Yeah. That's good. The whole the, like the Beatles song, just having something that you can relate to. Mm-hmm. I think if you would have started out when you were first learning piano, maybe a instead of finding, I think a lot of times when it comes to practicing the piano or any instrument, they have like these songs that we don't yeah. care about at all. But yeah. if it was the Beatles or if it was something yeah. you're really interested in or a song, find the simplest song of something you enjoy mm-hmm. and then learning that. Then you would be able to play it for friends. I mean, I'm I'm interested in hearing you play a Beatles song when you yeah. finish and when you learn it eventually. Yep. Uh, yeah, with technology helps a lot. I 
learned a handful of Beatles song and Evelyn, my daughter, that's her favorite band right now. So she can sing Hey Jude. So I've been trying to really master that song. Um, but yeah, I'm sure when I was a kid, it probably was some very simple pop song that was on the radio that probably could have bridged it a little faster. I probably would have been a lot more interested. But yeah, that'd be my big tip. Be really transparent. Like be very, like these are the failures I had in high school. But don't put pressure on them, but just make them aware that's okay to fail. But this is how I kind of overcame it, or this is how I wish I would have rebounded faster if I would have applied myself mm. here. And then, you know, they're going to have to learn on their own, and they're still going to fail, and they're not going to be perfect. But I think making them more aware faster and having those conversations. Yeah. So I'm sure when you have a six year old who doesn't want to talk to you, it's probably going to be a lot more challenging than what I'm saying it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so for sure. But. You said you uh, you went to high school. Uh, are you from Bloomington? Because I know you went to IU, Indiana University. Well, actually, so I went to Indiana, University of Southern Indiana. I'm from Evansville, Indiana. Okay. So I grew up in Evansville from the age of seven. We moved there. My, my whole family's from there. Grandparents, everybody. Both my parents are from there. Went to high school there. My college was actually closer than my high school. Okay. So I was very involved <laughs> in my college early on because my dad was alumni there with a lot of games um i lived at home the first year of college again down the street so i was still very involved with my high school friends my family my church organizations any organization i had you know previously and then the best thing i did in college though i had a great college career even though i didn't go away was join some clubs and once i joined some clubs i felt like i had the college experience but as it just kind of like stacked, 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 I couldn't wait to get out of there. And I think I raced out too fast. Mm. I just, the second I graduated, I, I left and never went back. So you went directly from there to Chicago or? I had a, a year and a half in Indy. Okay. Indianapolis. Yep. Where at in Indianapolis did you live? I lived 56th Street by uh, Eagle Creek Park. Okay. Lived in those apartments right there. Okay. Right next to the Colts training facility. Okay. Lived there for about a year and a half. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Then I got a job here at Schneider and moved to Chicago 11 years ago. We had some similar history. You know, from a small town, lived in Indianapolis for a couple of years, yeah. and then moved to Chicago. And <laughs> yep, that's funny. Uh, let's see. When you feel, you know, I'm sure you have a lot of stress in your role as a director at, here at Schneider. When you feel overwhelmed or unfocused or lose your focus temporarily, what are some things you do or tell yourself to help keep you on track or yeah. s- stay focused, make sure you're doing your job the best you can? Some things that I do, um, you know, we live and work in a great city, and there's a lot of corners of the downtown area that are just great to walk around and reflect. I tell myself sometimes, you know, I don't want to look like a tourist, but it's like, look up sometimes. Like, you live in a pretty amazing city. Um, and I try to get different angles of the city. So, going for a walk, my favorite sandwich shop is about four blocks away. So, it's just far enough to where I can get a sandwich, eat it, and then get back still on time. But it's far enough to where I get a different view of the city. So I do that a lot. I honestly, I have a few people that I really trust wholeheartedly that I can be extremely, um, you know, have full candor with them. And even, 
you know, vent a little bit more, you know, allow myself to kind of get back in that old emotional JK just to kind of let it off. Mm. And I trust them that they don't judge me, you know, and they know that I'm in this zone that I just, I need the 15 minutes and they always do a really good job to kind of listen. And then once they notice, I think they notice I kind of come down some, then we usually have a very constructive conversation. And usually I leave away feeling really good and understanding what the mission needs to continue to be. Having the the long-term vision of what we're trying to achieve here with, you know, advancing roles for a better quality of life. Those kind of things I try to tell myself constantly that this is a long journey. I have a long journey left, you know, 11 years. You know, there's people that have 30, 40 plus years with Schneider. I got a long ways to go. And not letting the small stuff affect me so much because not only do I have a long journey, but I have the opportunity to impact people to have a long journey with Schneider as well. And the small things don't matter so much. It's getting them prepared to achieve what they can in their current role and what the roles that they may achieve later on, excluding myself, and just keep growing every day because, like we've been talking about, mm. they're going to be much different in five years. This whole company's going to be much different in 10 years, and and the small stuff doesn't matter as much. Yeah. That's good. Not sweating that small stuff and seeing that bigger picture is, is huge. Yeah. And I try to get tell that to our newer tenured associates and... Um, what is your you mentioned your favorite sandwich shop what is that favorite sandwich shop yeah. for people new people having lunch and yeah. it's a Harry's sandwich shop if you walk south on Dearborn okay. we should go yeah. I'm surprised I'm taking you go south on Dearborn and once you hit the the bottom of the loop okay it's right before you hit the train tracks the L um, it's on the right it's a nice little sandwich shop I what love you sandwiches order? turkey Cold, cold turkey, no tomato, brown mustard, um, and everything else. It's really good. It's very fresh. Mm. The meat tastes fresh. The bread is really fresh. The green peppers are really crunchy. It, it's, it feel it, though it's a pretty hearty sandwich. I feel very healthy coming out of it. Mm. Um, I get a Lacroix versus getting a soft drink. You know mm. they don't have soft drinks there, so I kind of nice cheat my my brain that way. You know? Yeah, yeah. And it's a mom and pop. So someone took me there 10 years ago. I think it was a Schneider, older Schneider associate. And Harry was the sandwich maker. And his wife, I think her name was Hap, was at the counter. Oh, wow. And they're there forever. And then probably two years ago, they just kind of, and I go about once a week. They just kind of like disappear. Not all, they might be on vacation or something. And there were these looked just like them but they were younger <laughs> and then about two weeks went by and I never saw Harry or Hap again and I said hey what what happened to you know Harry and Hap that usually ran the place and they were like oh they they retired it's our turn now and I guess their uh, kids or relatives of them and now they run it and they've oh, been wow. there for two years and the same people what I think is really interesting they do not take a day off mm. they're there every single day day mm. there's three of them usually only be two but there's three there's two sandwich makers and then um, the main lady who takes the orders and they seem very dedicated it's a sharp run business and they're churning the last sandwiches but mm. that's awesome yeah it's funny you said 
you kind of walk around when as you're walking in the sandwich shop or walking around to um, ease your mind when you're ever stressed out or around in the city and just acknowledging the beauty of the city. I try to do that myself, trying to just be mindful of we live in one of the be- most beautiful cities mm-hmm. there is and just going around looking up, looking at the buildings, listening to the sounds of the city around you and just trying to uh, relish what we live in, you know, mm-hmm. one of the best cities in the world, in my opinion. Yeah. And there's a lot of free stuff out there. So the Chicago Library down the street has the largest Tiffany Dome, I think, in the world. Okay. And it's free. And you can walk in there. I walked in there one time when I was trying to, like, uh, reflect. And they had, a, I think there was a free piano concert. Oh, wow. And then you can walk all the way to Millennium Park and have that... Um, Lars Concert Hall. That's one of my favorite spots. Yeah, sometimes the practice the orchestra. Exactly, yeah. And that stuff's free. So I think people just got to find those free opportunities and, and get out of the office, go enjoy it for 45 minutes, come back and you know, kind of remind yourself you know, what you're working hard for. You know, What hit home for me the most um, for this discussion is when I was in my honeymoon in Croatia, or I believe it's Croatia, and met this couple, and one of their bucket list items of then they're from Croatia, and one of the uh, bucket list items was Chicago, Illinois. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, you know, the entire world. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, you know, dang, don't you know, take that, it for granted. Yeah, yeah, try to not take it for granted. Mm-hmm. Yep. Let's see if you if you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere in the world with anything on it. Um, metaphorically speaking, getting a message out to the millions or billions of people, what would it say and why? could be as simple as a couple words or a paragraph or a quote. This is, I mean, it's a tough one. One billboard, you know. I, I'm definitely a, a quote fanatic, so there's a lot out there, but this isn't really a quote. But I think life is a team sport and people need to realize that early on that someone's going to influence you someone wants to influence you even parents or aunt or loved ones or something like that take advantage of it embrace it a little bit more Um, know that you're not in it alone people like when you have a child or you first get married or you get a new home people always say hey let me know if you need anything but no one ever says, yes, I do need help. Could you swing by? Because I think building relationships, you need to have more connections and learn more from each other um, and not try to do it all by yourself. Yeah. I think people get so stressed. I think stress comes from a couple of key things. One, you don't have a support system and you're trying to do it all on your own and there's just so much pressure. So much pressure to be perfect in so many different areas. And then two, you don't have any connections. You're not connected with a lot of people. And today with technology, and I heard a conversation once about Instagram and Facebook and how if you're trying to connect to a friend only through those social platforms, you're not talking to that friend. You're talking to their profile Mm. or their... um, their avatar Mm. you know I think that's the right word 
Yeah. You're not talking to Ronnie. You're talking to whatever your faith Instagram you know handle is. Yeah. Which is pretty eye opening to me. Like you need to go and have a conversation and uh, talk to friends. So one area that I learned that the most we had neighbors when we first moved in our townhouse, and he was very um, great with working on the house and with his hands and doing stuff. And they were those neighbors that were actually a little more pushy with helping out, which was kind of odd at first for Lindsay and I. <laughs> yeah. But then after time, we realized that, okay, they are actually helping us a ton. Yeah. And I think we hit the jackpot with neighbors. They eventually moved, and uh, we definitely see how they impact this a lot. So, like, I tried putting in a door in my when you walk in my house you walk straight back to a bedroom but it wasn't listed as a bedroom in the appraisal because there was no door mm. so I built this door in this hallway and I you know I messed it all up <laughs> but I had this great neighbor who came over and you know gave me time and stuff and simple things like that um, I just wish people would take advantage of more or like when you first have a child and things like that you know people always say that mm. just start embracing and having those true connections you know, with people and those experiences and, you know, life is a lot more fun and you're going to learn a lot more. Mm-hmm. I, what came to mind was suffering in silence. A lot of us suffer in silence and just try to combat it internally, whatever issues we're having. And a lot of things, Tim Ferriss talks about it a lot in his podcast, but a lot of things we go through some other person is guaranteed probably going through yep. the same thing right now or has gone through it or someone throughout history has gone through the same exact things. And yep. not only just knowing that eases your mind, but being reaching out for to talk to other people, to have conversations mm-hmm. like this will increase your chances of maybe learning something that you yep. didn't know previously to help you get through it. Yep. Um, and it can be simple things like what I was talking about or really big things. You know, I think people are suffering. Mm-hmm. People who live in the United States, you know, one of the great free worlds, and they're suffering and living probably a really great life, but they're just not connecting or talking, and they feel like they're on an island. Yeah. When there's a lot of people out there who probably care about them, they just don't take advantage of it. They don't reach out. Yeah. Jesse Isler talks a lot about that, but in kind of a more weird way about how you're on earth on a blip of a radar Mm. and you only have so many summers left and you know how often do you see your parents yeah i read that yeah something like that so i think about like can i find a way to get a project with my dad or how can i incorporate more trips with my mom and, and things like that or ask for more help even if i could probably watch a youtube video and probably do it myself like still call or still try to have someone come over and still do it together because that relationship and that experience is going to be a lot stronger. Yeah, yeah if we could have a billboard that get across the millions and billions of people to Life's have more conversation, sport. yeah, that'd yeah. be... Life's a team sport. I think it'd help the universe a lot better. Yep. Yeah, it's good. What is... What's a unusual habit or an absurd thing that you love... I probably have a lot of weird habits. It'd probably be a good question for my wife. Something that I've kind of realized recently 
when I go to bed, I I go to bed pretty much like this. Like I have and khaki like shorts polo? on. <laughs> Not a polo, maybe a t-shirt, but I have yeah. khaki shorts on. I probably have my belt on. Like I have just like I could walk out the door. You serious? I, yeah. That's hilarious. I don't know. I wasn't always like that, you know, in college and stuff, you know. I don't think I was like that, but in the last, it might be, you know, when I had a child or something, because I have to get up and go, but yeah, like, I just go to bed in khakis, and then Lindsay makes fun of me a lot, because when I sleep sometimes, I have, like, two positions. One position, I have my arms crossed, and I'm, like, on my side, yeah. and the other position, I'm laying all the way back, and have my hands together, as if I was, like, in a coffin, Yeah. and I'll sleep like that, and it really freaks her out. Yeah. I yeah. sleep like a coffin a lot, and the yeah. wife makes fun of me for it, for sure. <laughs> but I mean, like, she, like, you put your hands together, like, like someone's, like, put you in a coffin, or you're praying or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. But I probably have some more odd ones I can't, uh, you know, but yeah. That's good. What, uh, in the last five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life, you'd say? Probably five years. Probably knowing that I have to do some kind of exercising. I'm not an exercise fanatic. I definitely always wished I probably would have spent more time in the gym. But I had a brother-in-law that told me a long time ago. You know, just wait till you hit about you know thirty, thirty-one, thirty-two. Your metabolism is gonna tank, and uh, all this you know beer and pizza and wings are gonna catch up and. Sure enough, he was absolutely correct. And you know, getting in a routine where I'm exercising, having a Fitbit, you know, as simple as as it is, it's an easy piece of technology to kind of remind me how active I have been. And I kind of I am goal oriented and competitive, so I like the Fitbit because if I don't hit my twelve and a half uh, thousand steps, I'm not competitive in my community. Mm. On that community app on the Fitbit, okay, I don't get the buzz at the end of the, end of the day. If I'm hitting 12 and a half, and that's walking the dog, maybe run a, running a mile, you know, I'm not going over and beyond, and then just eating a little healthier. I've been able to, to keep a pretty steady weight, and I've just felt better and felt more awake. Mm. Um, I think I got kind of into that period that he was talking about in that 31, 32, where I started getting sluggish, and I call it the Dunlap. My uncle's last name is Dunlap, and there's a joke when you're... Okay. And your gut done laps over your belt. <laughs> okay. So I was getting the done lap, and I wasn't, you know, that can be depressing. Like, as you enter your 30s, oh, for you know, sure. you got to be aware of those kind of things that kind of tax subconsciously on you. Mm-hmm. And before a wedding, my wife and I ran a half marathon. I The furthest I ever ran was every single time we ran further each week training for it, and the furthest I've ever ran is the marathon. Mm-hmm. But just... Doing more of that has helped me, you know, be active with my daughter and realize that I'm not getting any younger. And do I want to be whatever coach it is that they're involved in and be active when I'm 50 years old because mm-hmm. I had children later in life, mm-hmm. or am I going to sit in the sidelines on the on the stands and you know be all hot and sweaty and you know out of shape? Yeah. So I think watching people age. I'm much more aware that being physically fit 
your 40s could be your 30s, your 50s could be your 40s, and your 60s could be your 50s, but you do have to work, work at it. I feel like the Fitbit kind of, it's a way to hold yourself accountable to, which is always great. Anyway, you can try to increase your chances of holding your own self accountable, helps you in anything when it comes to diet, exercise, um, learning, reading, whatever it may be. Uh, I have some, that's some of my similar drives when I, some of my reasoning for exercises. I want to be able to play basketball with your teenage son or your teenage daughter because, you know, you're going to be able to gel with them, you know, if I'm an overweight and I have a Dunlap, you know, it's, uh, and tire out really quickly. Not only what kind of signal does that show them, like, you know, it's okay, this is what's supposed to happen, or, you know, I, I'm i in good shape and I can play with them, we can compete, it makes him better, yeah. or him or her better. Yeah. Do you, um, you say your wife ran with you, do you exercise with your wife at all, or, or how did, does she join in on the healthy We've eating? tried, we just, the, the schedule, and it's definitely a limiting belief, we've done a lot of yoga together, the running was really really great before we had our daughter um but it's definitely something that i've thought a lot about you know you play together you stay together so that's definitely an area that that we've talked a lot about we just got to find that schedule mm-hmm. and groove yeah yeah i do a little bit with with mine but it's the same thing you know, try to but different yeah. schedules and stuff makes it a little yeah. tougher let's see you talked a lot about saying yes to a lot of things earlier in your life and as you advanced in your career I think it probably becomes a little more tougher with the with your schedule um what would you have you maybe this might relate to you or not maybe you still say yes a lot but I've tried to learn how to say no better um what have you become better at saying no to in your role um, operations manager and then becoming a director and mm-hmm. um, like distractions, invitations, inside, outside of work. Sometimes I try to take on too much volunteer opportunities or saying yes to friends for, mm-hmm. for certain events, certain weekends. I mean, I'm definitely still struggling and trying to figure it all out, but the best advice I got a while back was if you're wanting to get more experience in other areas and you're wanting to grow outside of what you've already been doing, you're going to need some people behind you and around you that are going to kind of do the same, but in their role. Mm. So whatever you have been doing in the last two years in a work environment, you probably shouldn't be doing it anymore. You someone else should be probably doing it because they're trying to advance in their career as well. Mm. So don't feel you need to allow people to just take on that old project or take on that old program or that, um, you know, training or, you know, whatever it may be. Mm. And they may stumble a little bit, but they're also going to add a lot to it. Mm. You're going to give them a wheel to work with and they're going to make that wheel a lot better. Mm. And I think sometimes people... You know, I I would say that I'm not like this, but subconsciously I probably am. You know, you, you get kind of 
Uh, well, that's my thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's, that's my thing. You know, loading the toolbox, that's my thing. You know, short, short in the sales cycle and backpack question, oh, that's my thing. You got to get rid of that. Yeah. And you got to let someone take it, take the wheel. Just like anything in life, you know, every sport is different than it was when our parents were our age. And you got to allow it. You can't be, well, back in my day, you know, the refs called different different fouls, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So what? Yeah. You know, it's, you're not playing anymore. So yeah. I need to get out of the game and let someone else take it and evolve it and be okay that whatever direction it goes because it's going to be better. Um, so that's what I've been doing more of, and it has been working. But yeah, if you look at my calendar, I'm double booked pretty much every day. Mm-hmm. So I got to also remind myself, when you don't do it, some you're letting someone down. So you say yes too much. Mm-hmm. You're th- you think that you're saying yes and helping someone out. Mm-hmm. But in reality, when you say yes to this person and then say yes to two other people, and it happens at the same exact time, you're letting two people down. And the negative, as we all know, is unfortunately stronger than the positive. Mm-hmm. So I positively uh, influence or help someone because I chose the one meeting versus the two others that I said yes to. And that is impactful, but the unfortunate thing is saying, having to say no last minute to the two others and that negative experience that, well, JK didn't make it or JK didn't help or whatever it may be, is probably impacting a whole lot harder than that positive one. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes all the sense in the world. So you gotta be aware that saying no up front is going to save you from possible, um, you know, the way people think about how you can commit to, you know, obligations, things like that. Because I think over time that that'll add up. Mm-hmm. And you don't want no one to think of you as the person that doesn't show up either. Yeah. You know, and have and bring on some yeah. sort of character flaw that's not really truly to what you are um, yeah. what you represent as a person yeah. yeah I see that in my friend group too because you know I want to make the wife happy and then I have one friend that wants to go play golf and another friend that mm. you know wants to go see a movie and another friend that you know, might have a picnic volleyball tournament thing that he wants me to come to and I just kind of I don't say no up front I just kind of like light wait till like that Thursday until I finally make a decision because I'm trying to figure out what my own personal life like what's Evelyn going to do and what's what's Lindsay going to do and then I find let them know I should just be more up front because then you say no to this is one thing I thought about so I have some close friends that like to play a lot of golf and I like to play some golf I'm a social golfer they're a serious golfer if you say no three times in a row they're probably going to stop asking yeah so you got to be aware like those kind of things yeah so you got to kind of be aware of who you're saying no to and who you're saying yes to if you're keep keeping that healthy balance of your family, friends, that life wheel that I was talking about, you kind of kind of be aware. The I, I know I mentioned before, but he's a recent guy that I kind of got into, so I've been spending more time with Jesse Isler. He does his whole year. He said he has got like five or six calendars. He does his whole year in reverse. So he starts at the very end of the year, and he goes in reverse, and he prioritizes what's most important. When am I going to have all the dates with my wife? And they schedule them. Oh, okay. Way in advance. 
when are my kids big things that are coming you know baseball season we all know when little league is going to be so check it off don't yeah. check it off now yeah. so when someone says hey can you play golf two saturdays from now no i have a baseball game or how about how about sunday morning or something like that i thought it was a great idea um that Lindsay and i try to do a little bit this year and we're going to keep working at that because in life people say life's really fast life's so fast i can't can't didn't get that done this year Oh, I wish I had time. You actually have a lot more time than you think you do. You're just not taking advantage of it. Mm-hmm. So if it's a trip or going out to see your mom or whatever it may be, and you're always saying, well, I'm just too busy. You know, I haven't had a chance to go down and see my grandparents. That's BS. You need to, it's just not prioritized. And yeah. if you think in that reverse format that he was kind of coaching us on, um, it makes total sense. And you start prioritizing things because there's no distractions. We don't have any distractions. Like, what are you doing you know, second week of February. Yeah. You have no idea. Yeah. You have no distractions. Yeah. <laughs> so schedule it now. Yeah. You know, second week of February is probably going to be around Valentine's Day. Yeah. So you might as well schedule it. <laughs> yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. That's good. And a, a small uh, addition to that that's helped me a lot is utilizing Google Calendar for yep. the wife and I. Yeah, we do too. And that's been huge help for both of us yep. and being able to set it in our calendar and seeing what each of us has set and then we even share with um my brothers and their significant others and if they can see what we have so if they are inviting us they see what's they can pull up our calendar see what's in there just simple things like that to help you uh because if it's in the calendar you know it's in there everyone knows it's in there it's easy yep easier to say no there's a lot of times um this last year my my wife kind of has a dynamic um, schedule where she'll be off a day like say a Friday and you know I don't take a lot of vacation but maybe that was a Friday I could have taken a vacation day on and mm-hmm. I didn't realize it until that Wednesday mm-hmm. you know so things like that like like your friends did you know that your brother and your your other family members had nothing going on three weeks from now and maybe that was the weekend you could have gone to that cabin you always always talk about but you guys just didn't know it yeah that you always just so happen to be free until that weekend of and you're like what are you doing this weekend nothing what are you doing and then you guys do the normal routine and just you know going to get a couple of drinks and yep. whatever and you sit there and you say you know what we should do we should go out <laughs> yep. to a cabin one day you know <laughs> yeah and well there goes that cycle again yeah so that's good uh we can uh we can wrap it up this this last uh question what advice would you give to a smart, driven Schneider so- associate about to start their career? Or, and if you have any, what advice should they ignore? Yeah, that's a really great, great question. You know, working hard, you know, people talk about work ethic and, you know, they've really studied grit. And um, what does it mean to work hard? And I think everyone has a different pace. So I'm, I'm aware of that. Like, Mark Bergio works very hard. I don't know if we can compare a whole lot of people because it's just, he's just in a different level. So I don't think it's fair. But you need to be aware of what your pace is and when you need to turn it on more and when you have the opportunity to maybe take advantage of some vacation, things like that. But when you're in that zone and you're saying that you're going to work hard in your current role. It doesn't matter any role that you're in, any role. I think knowing that 
you have the time to put in and taking advantage of those, that micro time to put in that little extra work early in your career is going to pay massive dividends later in your career. I spent the first two years here just dilly-dallying. I, mean, I didn't really invest a lot in my craft, didn't invest a lot in my peers or my leaders and what they were telling me. And it took me about a year and a half till I finally realized that I had that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I, even though it wasn't that much time, but those two years you know, set me back two years versus speeding me up two years. You know yeah so my advice would just be if you're starting new and you have the opportunity you know not everybody has the opportunity but figure out what your schedule is and what your starting in a day is and find those micro moments and you know find ways that you can add the extra work in and work hard now and understand that it's a journey and when you work hard now you're gonna thank yourself um, in five years mm. That reminded me, you said not to compare it to someone like Berja or, or whoever. And it's like, and you're talking about bettering yourself each day. Um, it's like comparing your, comparing yourself now to who you were yesterday and trying to just improve like yourself day after day after day, slow amounts. And it's the long journey day after day after day here in the moment, improving yourself now, how are you going to get better now today? And then if you're getting better day after day after day, you're going to be a damn good associate here yeah. in five years or whatever it may be. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. It's a journey. It's a long journey. We hope that they, these people stay with Schneider for a really long time, but they may not. And I think you're going to learn a lot of valuable things no matter what role you're in. And people aren't in the present moment enough because if you consciously apply yourself and put those micro moments into work while you're at work or while you're headed to work or whatever it is, or even outside of work. Same same thing when you're with life. I know I can play the piano 30 minutes before I go to bed. I just sometimes don't choose to. I'm just lazy. Mm-hmm. I know I can make 10 more calls or I know that I can do my expense report or whatever it may be, but it's the choosing of those micro present moments that's gonna accelerate you faster. So. I think taking advantage of that, you're going to thank yourself later on, you know, in life. No question. Yep. Yeah. But I definitely didn't take advantage of that. That means it's been the same theme the whole time until I was probably 28, till I really woke up and realized what the hell am I going to do with my life? Yeah. And oh, by the way, I'm at this great organization that is going to give me a lot of opportunity and people do care about me and care about my journey. Maybe I should listen, mm-hmm. you know? So it's- lucky we had great leaders. Or I'd probably be floating somewhere, you know, who knows? Yeah, could have just been running on, running on automation, like those first two years, you know, and and just not realizing the damage that you're really truly doing by uh, staying stagnant or complacent Mm -hmm. with the way your life is or your your career is here at Schneider or whatever previous careers. I I feel like you can get lost in that and... uh, but finding, uh, being woke, you know, yeah, right. <laughs> what the kids yep. are saying these days, <laughs> being woke and seeing the light of how to overcome your mind when it, when it says to not practice piano for that 10 minutes before bed yep. or, or do those extra 10 calls and you start learning to better overcome those mm-hmm. thoughts and then 
you know, eventually yep. do it day over day, you're going to be, it's going to yep. compound itself into some yep. a great person, great associate. Compounded interest is one the I listened to some podcast once that was on money and the, the compounded interest concept is one of the most, the strongest inventions that ever, you know, became. Yeah. No one takes, not a lot of people take advantage of it, but it's not just in finance or your, you know, personal, you know, money and portfolio but it's also just in life like you got to take advantage of the compound interest concept you do 10 push-ups every day you're going to get really good at it yeah you do no push-ups every day you're probably not going to be very good at it but don't get so hung up i think the last part of your question was like what advice to not listen to yeah it's your internal negative voice yeah i don't care if you can do one or five push-ups just do the three and do three more again tomorrow, and do three more again tomorrow, and then, hey, maybe you'll do four, and, hey, maybe you might jump to eight, and that compound interest starts going, the next thing you're doing 100. But five years ago, I probably wasn't reading any books. Now I set a goal this year to read 12, and I think I'm at eight. You asked JK 10 years ago, he would have laughed. Like, no way. Read a book? Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it was my self-negative talk that I don't have time to read a book what book am I going to read I'm not really interested you know I don't know and there I don't know a title of a book that I'm interested in I'm not asked you know the people around me who care about me who probably would suggest a book you know going back to some of that stuff we talked about Mm. people who are super successful that you look at in Schneider out of Schneider or whatever they got there through many many days and many many months in that compound you know concept Mm. and you can't focus on them you got to focus on you and I don't care where you're at in your journey and I don't care like you were saying earlier you just got to start if you if you're not applying yourself fully fine you know I don't care so much about that I care more about what are you gonna do tomorrow to start applying yourself and if it's not reading a book, you know, maybe you read an article once a day. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, whatever it may be. But I think people get way too hung up on, you know, I'll never run a marathon versus just being like, well, I should go out and run run a mile. Yeah. That, that voice in your head, that, that book, uh, Stephen Pressfield wrote a book, War of Art. He yep. calls it resistance. I try to, um, just noticing that it's, it's not really the true you that's making those excuses up the true you wants to read that book the true yeah. you wants to uh become a better person for the long run but you always we all have that inner voice that's telling us to be lazy or not do these things that better ourselves because mostly out of fear and it's and when we let it overcome us it gets easy. It gets harder and harder to overcome if we let it um, overcome us every single day. Yeah. But it gets easier if you if you overcome that voice and and do the ten minutes of piano learning, and then now it's twenty minutes and thirty minutes, and yeah, yeah it's good. Yeah. But yeah, we could end it off here. I appreciate it, J.K. And uh, yeah, thank you. Thanks a lot.